0: Flippers team will win a championship this year. George, corner
2: three. Yes! Goal! Bryant has to put it up with another. Banks it in! ha -ha! He banks it the three! And the Lakers win the game!
3: What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Battle for LA podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Iron Networks. As usual, I am your host, Tomer Azarli, your Clippers beat writer for Clutch Points. I'm here as usual with our Lakers beat writer for Clutch Points, Ryan Ward. How you doing, Ryan? What up? Uh, and we got a special guest uh, today joining us, um, Adam Morrison, uh, radio analyst for the Gonzaga what are they, Bulldogs? Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Gonzaga Bulldogs. Adam, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. Uh, First of all, how's everything with you health-wise? I mean, I know this uh, coronavirus thing has just swept the nation, it looks like. Um, How's everything with you, your family, all that?
1: Uh, Everything's good. Uh, Washington State was one, I think, second after California to uh, go into lockdown. So I've been in quarantine for about 16, 17 days, I think I'm on. Um, I'm type 1 diabetic, so I'm definitely not – I haven't been out in public at all, so – a little frightening like everybody else is experiencing, but uh, we're making it through.
3: Wow, wow that I, I didn't know that about you. So, so you're being extra cautious
1: with who you encounter if you encounter anyone, right? Yeah, yeah. I it's family only and they are uh, you know, working from home so they're in the same you know, mindset of not uh going out in public and uh, you know, my Amazon Prime has been uh firing away here getting stuff delivered to the house <laughs> it's, it's, it's right now and I have, everybody's going through it so it's just every time i wake up i'm just like is this real is this real and i i really think that we've just begun so uh hopefully it passes but i think we're in for a long haul pretty surreal huh absolutely I mean, what
0: was it seattle that was hit bad up there
1: yeah, Seattle was the epicenter. I live in Spokane about four hours away, uh, closer to Idaho on the east side of the state, but Seattle had that uh, retirement home, I believe it was, that had had a bad uh, um, outbreak or whatever and then it kind of spread. And then, you know, SeaTac is an international airport, um, so uh, it was kind of a perfect storm from my understanding on, um, you know, how it spread. And then, you know, it just slowly spread throughout the country and it's like we're where we're at now so it's hopefully this goes away i mean obviously for the health of our fellow americans but uh you know the economy too is is a really scary factor um so uh, it's interesting to kind of sit back and just see what comes next and it's just like hit after hit after hit it's crazy
0: is it weird so, for you too as uh with uh with march madness being canceled completely mm-hmm. i mean i mean that's never happened before right
1: yeah, no, it's never happened the, the way, you know, I do games for Guns Take on the radio, so um, we actually had the West Coast Conference Tournament in Vegas, and it was, I think, the only one completed, um, and so we completed ours, and then the Big Ten ACC, everybody started canceling, so then when we flew home, when we... Touched down. That's when they made the announcement. And Gun, uh, Spokane was a site, and Gonzaga was probably going to get a number one seed and probably be in Spokane. Um, so everybody was bummed out about that. And then, you know, obviously, about two, three days later, they announced that the whole tournament is canceled. And it's, you know, obviously, you want to uh, be precautious and safe. But people were really, <laughs> really upset in this area because we would have had a home, you know, home court advantage per se. Um, and a number one seed and a really good team. So it was disheartening for that regards, but I think it was the right, you know, in my opinion, it was the right move to do.
2: Now, w-
3: when you look at uh, just the players who don't have an opportunity, I mean, you have to feel for these some of these guys. Like, I, I just, I I can't help but feeling bad for a lot of these guys who really worked most of their years, most of their lives, just to get to this Mark Madness tournament um, and not be able to play.
1: Absolutely. You know, I I obviously was a college basketball player and played in the pros for a little bit. And so, you know, those memories are last a lifetime. They can help, you know, uh, define you as a professional player to, to make it to that next level, you know, off your draft stock and things of that nature. And then just, uh, you know, not having the opportunity to create memories with your friends, you know, your teammates are, and um, compete is, is, is disheartening, because you know, can you imagine if you were a senior and, you know, you were a guy maybe that, that kind of waited your turn, and you were having a good season, and then all of a sudden, you know, you play your last game without it knowing it being your last game, and that's that's what happened to a couple of our seniors, three of our seniors like Gonzaga's, you know, the West Coast Conference Championship game was obviously their last game, and we won it, but that's not where... You know, we wanted to finish, obviously. And so, yeah, it's disheartening on many levels. And, you know, like I mentioned, too, from, you know, just a, to get into, like, the economic part of it for Spokane, it was such a huge event that was going to happen for people, um, you know, and then adding in most likely from what we heard and talking to, you know, people in the business that Gonzaga was going to get or, you know, Spokane was going to get Gonzaga the number one seed. I mean, who gets to play in their hometown in the NCAA tournament? So, right. You know it was a devastating blow on, on many factors, um, but again, I, I think it was the right move. You got to be precautious. You got to jump ahead of this thing, from what I understand. And so I'm glad they they did it. And you know I think really what started it all was the Rudy Gobert stuff, and I think that uh, kind of woke everybody up. And I'm glad that uh, was it. The Oklahoma City doctor that kind of saved the day and ran on the floor or whatever. And it's yeah, on that game. I kind of opened everybody's eyes to how serious and how easily this could spread. So, yeah, you know, it's just like everybody else. It's been just crazy every single day. It's just, you read something new and something, you know, further that, uh, flames fear into you and economic wise, health wise, society wise, politically, it, it just never stops. It's crazy.
0: Uh, I know Tamera and I were in the clutch points office when, uh, when it all went down, um, I think I just got back from
3: Pr- Lakers practice. Um, yeah, I think that was it. I got there in the morning, and we heard that Gobert was dealing with an illness, and everyone was like, eh, coronavirus is a joke. And then, and then
2: yeah.
3: when the game started, uh, wasn't, didn't start, it was on pause, there was like a weird commotion at center court, and we're like, wait a second, what the heck is going on? And then all of a sudden it was
0: just, boom, Gobert has it, boom, Mitchell has it, and then boom, season's suspended. One and other, then, and then the, the Trump travel ban was like right in between there. Right. There's yeah. Something else happened the same day. It was like a domino effect. I like think it was
1: some other what, uh, college tournament that was still going on, but um, so like well, well, I know was, that just trying to to do it without fans, and then I think they played one game, and then they just decided to cancel the rest of it, which is which was crazy in itself. But yeah, it's just that whole week was just bananas as far as sports-wise, because it's cancel, cancel, cancel. I, I personally think, I don't even think football is going to be able to go. And really? That's when I, I just, I don't, I mean, it, how is it going to magically disappear, right? I mean, obviously you can flatten the curve, and I, again, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but um, packing people into stadiums again um, just seems like an idea that, uh would not be prudent because if it doesn't disappear, uh, there's always second waves. And then from what I understand, I mean, vaccines take what? From what I've heard read is 12 months at the earliest to get them approved and get them fast-tracked. So um, that's, you know, it's longer than the, the upcoming football season coming up. So I don't know. Can you imagine them America if they can't bet on football and watch football? <laughs> I've All
2: been right. playing
0: fantasy football for years. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yes. Well, you, you as a former athlete, what what do you think about uh, games being played without fans, if it comes to that at some point?
1: I think, uh, you know, I think if I was a competitor, I would want to do it. I mean, it's not the perfect scenario, but, you know, like for the Lakers standpoint, I mean, they're having the historical season, you know, LeBron and AD kind of coming together in that nucleus. Um, I wouldn't want to leave that on the table and have that wonder why so i if i was still playing i would be all for it i mean i wouldn't be the perfect scenario like i said it wouldn't be it wouldn't be cool but at least you get to find out who's the champion obviously instead of everybody kind of wondering why so i think um, i I read somewhere today that they were trying to do quarantine in vegas and then play all the games in vegas something along those lines i think that's smart i mean it'll give people the ratings would be insane um and it would also uh you know allow for a champion to be held you know i'm a big soccer fan and if you're a liverpool fan
2: oh you know man I mean? oh, did you ever oh,
1: <laughs> you know and it's what? i'm a chelsea guy but it, if you're a liverpool fan you ever won it at the 80s i know, you know Talk about just postponing it it's it's crazy there was three so three
0: games I, all we needed to win was three more games to quit
1: title I know. I and know. then we
0: got knocked. Yeah. We got knocked out of the Champions League. And I saw that uh, was it today or yesterday. They said that that game shouldn't have been played against Athletic. Oh University. yeah, the second way. Yeah.
1: I remember uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp read an article and said it was. He considered it a criminal act that he even <laughs> played that game. He was so upset that. Uh,
0: oh man! Yeah. I was bummed yeah. too. I'm even more. I mean, it's 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 just terrible luck. I mean, even with the Lakers, right? Like they hadn't hmm. made the playoffs in six years and they mm-hmm. finally get back on top and have a great chance of winning it all, and it just goes to shit like this. It's like you have no idea if this season will even finish. It's a yeah, weird thing a, to think
1: about. Yeah, to go back to your point, I, I would, I'd I'd want to finish it. If you could quarantine and test the players, which would be kind of an argument in itself, because then people would be like, well, what about testing the average Joe and whatnot? So you'd have to jump to those hurdles TR-wise. But... Um, I just like to look at LeBron I mean what is he year 17 and yeah. he's been fantastic his whole career but you don't want to leave a historical year that he's having this season on the table and not wonder why so I if I'm the NBA if I'm the players I'm it's not a perfect scenario you're not happy about it but I wouldn't want to leave it on the table you know I would just say hey let's try to play and if we have to play in an empty gym televise it and let's go
0: yeah, I'm all for that too. I think, I think all of us just just kind of want that uh, distraction, I guess you'd say, or something to be
2: Absolutely.
0: amped about instead of watching the same damn shows on Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever. But uh, yes. and just just to see competition again would be great. But
1: um, yep, I totally agree.
0: Adam, I wanted to jump a,
3: a bit back to uh, your Gonzaga days. You, 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 I mean, obviously, probably. Took a backseat, like you said earlier in your first year. Second year, averaged 19.5 rebounds, uh, and then that third year for you really jumped out—28.5 rebounds. What do you remember most from from that from that season? Because you had
1: one of the best college seasons uh, we've seen. Yeah, I, I think I just uh, you know made a real jump skill-wise in that off-season. I, um, you know, my freshman year I came off the bench. with had a really good senior-laden team, so I played, you know. 16 17 18 minutes a game and then going to my sophomore year like I said there was a bunch of seniors so our younger core knew that we were going to have an opportunity to play so I just really hit the gym and then that helped me gain a lot of confidence and knew that I could be a scorer at that level so then um you know after that season my sophomore season my eyes were all right I I really think I could be professional everybody dreams about it but you don't uh, no, until you know you're good enough, I guess, uh, or you have success at a certain level, and uh-huh. and so I really just uh, um, improved and took uh, you know advice of people that uh, said what I needed to work on, and and uh, it, it took off from there, and um, I was lucky enough to have uh, you know a good coaching staff and and and. and You know, teammates that kind of took a backseat, too, because, you know, at average 28, you're not passing the ball very much. So I was (laughs) guys that were setting screens for me, and uh, they were in place for me. But, you know, obviously I had a good year. I was efficient as well. Um, I wasn't a volume scorer. So, uh, yeah, I just – it was crazy back then, too. The college basketball was viewed differently back then, too. Um, You know, there was more coverage. Teams stayed together longer. There wasn't as much one-and-dones. you know, so it was a little bit more hype than it would be now, um, as far as you know, leading the the country in scoring or uh, for another guy, I guess you could say. So, um, yeah, it was it was good times, uh, and I enjoyed it. And again, again, like I said, I'm an analyst now for Gonzaga, so it's kind of cool to come back full circle and uh, be part of the program again.
3: It, when, when you look at your scoring, I mean, you were just a machine. I mean, just going back through it again. At what point in your junior year did you just realize, all right, this is this is very real, you know?
1: Uh, I think it was the Maui tournament is when I had a, a kind of a breakout mm-hmm. as far as the national scene. I, we played Maryland in the first game, and I had a good game. I think they're were six or twenty four or something like that, and they had a good team, obviously. And then um, that Michigan State game was uh, everybody talks about that game. Um, three overtime game at 43 I think and uh you know and then we played UConn in the championship and so I knew I could play at that level um but also I should preface this that's going into my junior year or, excuse me from my freshman to sophomore year I played on the U.S. qualifying team it was Chris Paul Sean McCann Sean May a bunch of guys who ended up playing in the league and I made that team kind of as a nobody um, at that time, coming off my freshman year, so that kind of really gave me the overall confidence that I could play at that level, and then, like I said, I progressed, and then, going into my junior year, um I just I had the ultimate green light, I was very confident, um so you combine those two things you can you know you can put the ball in the basket uh, a fair more more times than other guys if you don't have to look over your shoulder about taking a bad shot or something like that so mm-hmm. it. Sure. Definitely was a wild ride, man. It was, like I said, that the coverage back then was was way different than it is now. So it was kind of like a traveling circus, circus after a while. But, uh, you know, it gave me a name and it allowed me to go to the next level, so I'm thankful for it. Well, speaking so, of the next level, oh, go ahead, Ryan.
0: Well, I was going to say probably the same thing you were going to say. Um, so what was it like after going through all that and then getting getting eyed by Michael Jordan to go play for the, uh, the Wildcats?
1: It was it was good. Um, I was only around Mike a, f- a handful of times. Um, he wasn't the owner yet, and he wasn't even the GM yet. Um, it was Bernie Bickerstaff was still the GM. So I think there's kind uh-huh. of a misnomer that Jordan handpicked me, which, I, you know, that's not a bad thing either way. Adam, you're supposed to just
0: run with that. You're supposed to just run with it. Well, so no, but it was, MJ picked me.
1: We had a yeah. We had a dinner was, well, the night before. <laughs> it, it was Bernie as well, uh, Bernie Baker staff. So, but it was it was definitely a change, you know, demographic wise for me. The South is way different than the Northwest. I can tell you that much. Uh, I, yeah, I remember the first <laughs> time I get there. One of the reporters asked me who was my favorite NASCAR driver was, and I was like. Uh, <laughs> Still well, and, you know, I didn't know, <laughs> like, so... That's uh, probably
0: a pretty good answer, actually.
1: Yeah, the Intimidator, but, uh, yeah, so it, uh, it was definitely a, a change of scenery, but, uh, you know, being around Mike was... I've been around, obviously, celebrities and pro athletes, obviously, I was one, and, and playing for the Lakers, so I've been around... People are larger than life, and Mike by far takes the cake as far as aura and the way people act around him, and just just like his being, I guess you could say, is unmatched. So like when he's in the room or he's in presence of other people, people go literally bananas, and um, it's something that's to, to kind of see, and it's cool. And too, obviously, I was a I was born in 1984, so the you know those Bulls teams were my favorite teams growing up, and most uh, most of America as well. So (laughs) it was cool to uh, be a part of that, uh, part of his uh, deal. and, And you know, before, like I said, before he was even the owner, he was involved. So. I just wish I would have got a so – I had, like, 50 Jordan cards and never got one signed. I was too scared to ask them, and I
2: just uh,
1: – <laughs> really, I swear to God, I have, like, 50 to 70, you know, as, as a kid, and I just was too much of a pussy to go ask them, and I was
2: always
1: <laughs> <good>. <laughs> so I have, like, a have- ones, you know, like, and I have some really good ones, and, like, the upper deck one because I know he only signs upper deck. I should have just had him sign all the upper deck ones. So
0: oh, so man, you're bringing me back. I forgot about all that stuff. Yeah, baseball cards were so much different back then. Now it's like I heard the value is just like plummeted. Right, they're, they're just not. No, they're,
1: the anymore. They're, they're absolutely. Yeah, they. I would get them signed just for mementos. You know, they're absolutely pointless now. I guess, but uh, yeah. I, I, I again, I just wish I would have done it because I have so much of his memorabilia growing up, and I just. It's weird, though. Like, how do you go up to somebody that's your employer and be like, hey, can you sign this for me? You know, like, it's a fucking.
3: Just be like, here. hey, my, uh, my, my, friend, my friend wanted to sign. Do you mind? Or <laughs> just keep it yourself. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, do you have I any. Uh, no do you have it yet?
1: That... Go oh, ahead, sorry. I was
0: sorry. going to say, do you have any. Uh, I know you said you only had a few instances, you know, being around him or whatever, but is there any
1: story you have? Uh,.
2: Yeah, I, so we there's a couple like
1: one. So we used to have an unwritten rule in the league, and most teams did it. If your team played each other in basketball or football, it was an automatic hundred dollar bet. Um, really? So Gonzaga played Carolina in the Garden when I was after my rookie year, and we won. And so I saw him at the Christmas party. I was like, Hey, you owe me hundred bucks. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, joking. and like, Oh yeah, no problem and he pulled out a fuck I mean this thing had to be like eight eight to ten grand out of his you know, his pocket one. There you go. And then uh we were playing we used to play cards on the planes before all that crazy stuff in Washington went down. Um and we play Bouray and then we play um Texas Hold'em and Mike he didn't always he barely flew with us because, like I said, he wasn't GM. He wasn't the only, He was a minority owner then. But he flew with us on one of the road trips, and somebody asked him, like, "Hey, do you want to play cards with us?" He's like, "Sure," but then we were like, "All right, you can't. You can't bring like fifty thousand and just bet everybody off every hand." So <laughs> we're gonna bring. We're gonna. We're gonna cap it like a thousand dollar bet a street max, and so. Him and Gerald Wallace were in a hand, and I, I'm a poker player, so I don't know if you guys are, but there was like a straight draw, flush draw on the flop, and you could tell Mike was drawn to something, and Gerald bet 400 and no, he bet 300 into him, and Mike literally goes, $300? I'd watch two monkeys fuck for $300. <laughs> <laughs> And just what he said, you know, everybody's fucking lying and laughing and shit, but it's just like, yeah, like 300 bucks, like, what the fuck? He's okay. You know, like, he probably had a gut shot or something like that. So, yeah. He was, he was always cool, man. Like, he really was. He was cool, and um, it was just cool to be around him because he was an idol of mine growing up. So, uh, yeah, it, that, that's my Michael Jordan story, and hopefully he doesn't hear it back or get pissed off or something, but that's what
2: he said. <laughs>
3: You you uh you mentioned betting. I wanted to pause real quick to tell everyone about our our sponsor, BetOnline. Uh, you know there's no NBA, NHL, or MLB right now, and you might think that there's nothing really to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games you can wager on, or you can even let them bring Vegas right to you with their online casino and blackjack. All are open 24 hours a day, all online, and all including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props or entertainment betting, you can still bet on things like Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, heck, even stock prices. Uh, just visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Uh, Adam, I wanted to, before we jump too far into, into the uh, NBA career... Uh, you have experienced um, NBA championships, and you also experienced that heartbreaking UCLA game. Mm-hmm. Which one, to you, is more
1: memorable as an athlete? Oh, probably the UCLA game. Uh, really? Yeah, just I mean the championships. You know, I didn't play, so it, they're they're nice, and I know that um, I contributed in some aspect that during that season, but. Mm-hmm um you know the the ucla game has, has gone down and uh you know college lore and all that stuff and it, it it it's part of who i was as a player at that time i don't shy away from it uh yeah so that i just i think that one has more memories i guess because it was tough uh you know the lakers always treated me good and i was you know, I had, we had a great locker room. I had great relationships with all those guys. and um, But it was tough, you know, like you're not playing and then you get made fun of for not playing. So, like, those memories are kind of on the fence of being good and bad. Um, you know, but the the UCLA game was one of those things that just, you know, it happened. Ten things had to go right for UCLA to, at, at the time, you know, with about right. six minutes left. They mm-hmm. all did. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things that, uh, it, it's part of life, but, uh, you know, I've had people every, every, every podcast or any interview I've done that kind of goes back to my past. The, the question always gets up and it, 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 truly doesn't really bother me as far as a, as a, like it hmm. used to, I guess, you know, I've okay. gotten over it, I guess you could say. Um, you know, and what's funny now is like, you see guys crying all the time, and nobody hammers them. I got hammered for doing that. Yeah, now it's like, oh, look at that! Like it's so poignant, and it's so it's funny how society changes and shifts a little bit. Um, I chuckle a little bit at that, but uh, <laughs> also I don't want I don't wish like somebody to get hammered because it they're kids at the time, and also like. You know, if you put your heart and soul to whatever you do in life and it gets kind of taken out underneath from you right away, like where you think you're going to go on or move on or get a promotion or, you know, get proposed to someone and you say no, like it's tough. And that's kind of what it was for our team at the time. I mean, we... We were obviously up, and we were going to play Memphis. We lost to at their place in the middle of the season. We felt like we could beat that team, especially at a neutral site. And, you know, to be up 15, 16, with that minutes to go, you kind of look ahead. It's, it's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they always talk about the cliche that don't look ahead. Well, it's like you're up 15 with five minutes to go. It's kind of kind of easy, too. So that that's why it was so deflating because, you know, at the time we were like we, – Pretty much in the lead eight guys, and we have a chance to go to the final four, first time in school history, and you know, and we get to play a team that we're familiar with that we feel like is going to have more pressure on them. Um, so uh, I guess you know to, to round this out is, is the UCLA game was definitely a bad memory, but it was it's something that I you know embrace. It's it's just part of life.
3: When you when you look at I guess people don't want to use it as, a, as sort of a poster child, but like for the example of you know it's not over till it's over. I think that one that one sort of just yeah. takes the cake in terms of make sure yep. you know the buzzer is zero zero before you celebrate.
1: Absolutely, I don't think we were celebrating, but you're you're not wrong. But you I get think complacent, you were... is what I'm saying. You start to you know start to yeah. Yep, I think I think complacent and on your back foot a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be the correct term, and then, like I said, I mean, they they had plays that they had to go exactly right. I mean, George Farmer, who was you know obviously Laker and one of my teammates, hit made like a sixteen foot runner with two guys in his face at the end of a shot clock. He misses that, we probably get the rebound, get fouled, game over, right?
2: Mm-hmm. If we
1: inbounded to J.P. Bedista, who's a nine I think he was an eighty-five percent free throw shooter that year. He gets stripped, could have been a foul. They call a foul. He goes down. Makes it. We win. We squeak one out. You know, there's so many things that could have gone the other way. I always kick myself. I got a possession late in that game where I didn't drive it. I took like a a baseline 14 footer or something like that, and I should have just backed the guy down and done you know like a little 10 foot jump hook in the lane, and probably would have got fouled or could have manipulated myself into one. That's the one that always bothers me personally. Is Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody has an impact on the game, or a play that they wish they could do, and uh, in, in big games, no matter what level you played at, and that's one that really haunts me. It's like, man, I should have just put my head down and drove it, and I, pro- I i got a really good whistle that year. I probably would have gone to the free throw line. So, but yeah, like I said, it, it's part of the game, and uh, you know, I've I've gotten over it. If it took a while. It was. If you asked me the same question 10 years ago, I probably told you, go fuck yourself. So, you know, so, but, you know just time heals all wounds, I guess.
3: So I, 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 I asked Ryan before, I was like, hey, Ryan, like, is, that, is Adam cool? Like, I don't want to bring stuff up he doesn't want to talk about. Because so, I, I don't know how people view that. But um, it's yeah. good to see that you have sort of moved on from it. And, you know, I guess I don't want to say accepted it,
1: but, you know, it is what it is. So. Well, it is, and like I said, like, if every, most people involved with athletics or, like I said, in life that they work really hard for and then it kind of gets taken out, they can relate to that. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, at the time I got hammered, but I had a lot of people like, hey, man, that was me my senior year when we lost in state. I did the same thing, but it was in the locker room. You know what I mean? They're like, I feel mm-hmm. you, man. Like, it's, it is it is what it is. You know, it's, I've been there before. It was when I got cut from of uh, varsity going into my seniors, something like that, you know, like people mm-hmm. understand, like, if you work hard for something and it just doesn't go your way, it, it can be emotional. And like I said, it happens all the time. I mean, you watch the one shining moment, you see guys crying all the time, and I'm like, well, I guess I was the only guy that there was a, was a problem with it, but uh will <laughs> be it.
0: Um, I told Tomer about the, the story you told me about uh – Metal World piece to change gears a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember about the, him playing in jeans, was it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You got a always- to share something. I mean, I've interviewed Meta twice now, I think, and he's all over the bat, but he's such a good dude. <laughs> he's awesome.
1: Ron, Ron is one of the best teammates I've ever had. Um, I always tell people because they have a he has a bad perception of him per se, or he did earlier. But he always worked hard, he always had his teammates back, and he was all about winning every single time. So, like, if people were like, oh, he's he's a jerk and he's a cheap shot, he's like, no, man, he's trying to win and he has your back. And it was great going into games knowing that if there was a scuffle, like he had your back. He literally one time, I can't remember we were playing, but we were in the, you know, the, the tunnel and we go on to do our, our you know what time is a game time or whatever, and he goes, "All right, remember, guys, if you do open hand, it's only one game. Close fist is the whole season." So, <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> like, oh, fuck, I love this guy. Dude. He's awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, me and Ron always matched up in practice, so we had a we had a unique uh-huh. relationship. Like we would we would battle against each other, and he was one of those guys that because he'd always do that post move where he would you know get really low and then he would like turn legally with his elbow out and he would just elbow me all the fucking time but he was after by ammo I'm so sorry Matt and like and he was sincere he's like I'm so sorry man I'm just beating this you know beating the shit out of me and he was cool he was always like you good man I'm like yeah man it's all good and like it wasn't malicious Um, but yeah the story was we were I think it was yeah the second year we were were playing the late or the, the Celtics and we lose I mean, it's a game five at their place. So we're down three two and we fly back and I come in to go shoot at eight, nine in the morning, something like that. And Ron, they're doing a pre-draft workout and one of the kids from Gonzaga is in it. so I kind of come in to just check him out just kind of give Intel back to our staff to see how he's doing. And Ron is in the other end in the corner with his peak basketball shoes on, no shirt, jeans and a belt and going through like a whole workout by himself. <laughs> and it was it was like on Above the Rim but with, with a ball, but with the guy that's I can't remember the guy's name on the on the movie Above the Rim where he's like playing and yelling at and he, that was Ron doing it by himself in the middle of the finals with jeans, no shirt <laughs> and his basketball shoes on. Sweating like fucking getting <laughs> so But he's awesome and I love Ron. Every time I see him I saw him down at Kobe's deal. He's cool as shit. We always chop it up for a little bit. He's just a good dude, man. I love him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody like that guy. Nobody like that
2: guy. Nobody
1: he's unique, was, man. He's awesome. He really is, dude. He's, and I'll tell you one thing. Like, you can judge somebody on how their kids behave. And this is the honest to God truth. His two kids, when I was down there, my daughter was, well, I was two or three at the time. And his, I think his son was like 12 and he was, his son would babysit my daughter at games and we couldn't give him a dime. Like he would refuse it. Yes, sir. No, sir. Look you in the eye. Like both of his kids were just well-behaved. So like, I always tell people like Ron is a good person. Like he's just a little bit out there, but out there is better than boring. And so like sometimes like when people are a little bit different, you have to embrace it. And, um, so yeah, he was one of my favorite teammates of all time. Easily. We,
3: oh, I- I don't know any good way to bring it up, but we've we've asked a lot of our guests this. Um, just you know, January twenty sixth, when when the news comes down, wh- where are you? Because I know I was at home. I was my friend thought I you know when the Kobe news came down, my friend thought I was pranking him, and I was like, no, dude, this is real. I called Ryan. Ryan was just an absolute shock. Uh, yeah. wh- where were you with that? I just uh, yeah,
1: just where were you with that?
2: Yeah,
1: I was I was driving. To to go get something to eat here in town and my sister texted me and she said is this true you know and so I see see it and I thought it was because like everybody else because LeBron passed him or whatever Mm -hmm. in the scoring or whatever Mm -hmm. so I thought some idiot fucking posted something stupid so then I pull up to where I'm gonna go get a sandwich and I pause to read it and it's TMZ so I'm like well it's probably valid, and then I open it up and I read it, and I was absolutely shocked. I mean, I I, I couldn't even go into the restaurant. I had to take a moment, so that was emotional. Um, and, you know, I drove home in a fog, really, like most people, and I just went home and was just, you know, kind of in a daze for, like, two, three, four days, really, and it made me really reflect on the time spent with him. It was, you know, obviously so sad, and, and so sudden because he was such an icon and he was such a tough, tough-ass dude, man. Like, he's just so tough and for that to happen to him and, and for me as a father, my I coached my daughter's um, sixth-grade basketball team and mm-hmm. so that really hit home too. I mean, he was going to coach his daughter and you could tell how much he really enjoyed it and I get my cup filled with doing broadcasting and coaching with basketball mm-hmm. that, that fulfills me Um, for for basketball and so it it was extra sad in that regards as well you know to to think about you know his family too because when I was there his his wife and him were so gracious to my then girlfriend and my daughter's my daughter my two daughter's mom um, because we would fish out of water we didn't know LA and they were always so nice to us and so cool and He always told me whatever I needed, and and it just was—it was—it was was a day of reflection for sure. I mean, it was emotional. Um, It it was awful, obviously. So I'm glad I got to know him. You know, it's not every day you get to meet geniuses. You get to be around savants. You get to be around people that squeeze every ounce of what they have into their craft. And you know, that wasn't just basketball for him because he was a deep thinker. He was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't into bullshit. He wasn't into stupid stuff, you know. It just he he was into what can I do to make myself better? What can I do to push myself? What can I do to push other people? And uh you don't get to be around a lot of people like that in your life. And it, 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 when he passed, it made me realize that, uh you know, he publicly defended me numerous times. Um, you know, he uh, – when I was out the league – he sent me a I I told you I was a Chelsea fan at the start when we, we got into the, the sports deal. And mm-hmm. he knew I really liked Didier Drogba. was one of my favorite players of all time. And so the the year after um, I'm not with the Lakers, uh, Robert Lahr, the security for the Lakers, texts me and say, Hey, what's your address? And I said, I give him my address, and he's like, I didn't think anything of it. And I get a package in the mail, and it's uh, – you know, autographed, game-worn, diddy, or jogged jersey. And it says best wishes to Adam, and it's signed. And I always thought Kobe, like, made a phone call. Still cool, still fucking awesome. Well, that night, I am scrolling through everything and, and emotional and reading stuff, and on Chelsea's Instagram page, it says when Kobe visits Sanford Bridge, and the first picture is him holding the fucking jersey with Didier and if you zoom in, it says two atoms. so he went up to him. Oh, wow. And and got it signed. I still have it, and he got it signed for me without, I never asked him for this, and he knew I was in a low point in my life, you know, I was out the league, So he sent that to me just kind of as like, hey, buddy, I'm thinking of you, you know, and that's what he did for a lot of people, is he he understood what his aura was, um, and so he would he would throw nuggets to people to kind of pick him up. And, and so that, that day was tough because, like I said, he publicly defended me, and he did that for me personally. Like, he didn't have to do that. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a very emotional day, and I'm just glad that I, uh, you know, got to be around him, to be honest.
0: That's incredible, man. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, uh, is this the, yeah.
1: It sounds like he was just extremely thoughtful. Of people, you know? He, he was he was extremely thoughtful. Um, you know, if you were a hard worker and you didn't, you know, piss his ass, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, he fucked with you. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kind of being uh, hard on certain teammates. But if you showed up every day and put your hard hat on and, and competed, he loved you. And like I said, he was a thinker. And I I like different shit than just basketball so you know we would talk about politics and other shit that people would think that he wouldn't be into he was really big into films and and, and whatnot and this stuff everybody knows but he just was um like a savant man he really was because he just wanted to grind and grind harder than anybody else and kick the shit out of everybody at everything he did and it's hard to meet people like that i mean the guy never slept. Like he slept three hours a day. For he was one of those people that just had endless amount of energy and endless amount of drive. Um, but then he also had a heart as well. So um it was just it was it was obviously heartbreaking. And I was just thankful, like I said, to be around him. I was thankful that I got the opportunity to go to his his service down at Staples. And I mean, everybody knows this. But the Lakers did. it. That was one of the best memorials anybody could do because it was it was obviously sad but there was laughter there was a good vibe in there you get what I'm saying I know it was a sad time but it wasn't so glum it was also let's let's be thankful that we got to be around him I thought all the speakers were fantastic um and you know I was just really thankful that I got to experience that as well and kind of say goodbye and and like I said reflect on my times with him because, you know, at the time when he's defending me, I was, it was not fashionable to be an Adam Morrison fan and he always stuck up for me um, just out of the kindness of his heart, you know, so it was, it was a shitty, shitty fucking awful day, man. I think about him all the time just because it's just so real that he's not here.
0: Yeah, that, that service was, uh, it was, it was the celebratory feeling, right? Like it was, it was, Very sad, but at the same time, uplifting, right? Uh, I remember, I mean, I was trying to keep it together watching that the whole time, and then I lost it when Jordan went up there, and he's already in tears, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, and then you you realized how much he meant to to him, you know, as just somebody that Jordan mentored, right? Like,
1: Mm -hmm. it's just incredible. And that's the thing is, like, like I told you, I've been around Mike and I don't have like a, a serious or I've never had a serious relationship. But like Mike, as people could kind of tell, like probably didn't open himself up to a lot of people. And so for him to share that stuff was, was incredible because, you know, he's Michael Jordan. Like, you know, he's always been like, fuck you in a good way, but he's a competitor. Yeah. And so for him to say like, hey, man, I actually like love this person and I actually uh, you know, respected him as a, a person, as a father and a human being, and he made me better was uh, – I thought it was fantastic because, you know, that's that's obviously hard to do, and, uh, you know, I don't think that's in Mike's character. I mean, look at Mike's, um, you know, Hall of Fame speech. He was, like, telling everybody to go fuck themselves, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so yeah. to get up there and kind of open that up was – and then, too, I mean, it, Vanessa Bryant was – unbelievable she didn't know anybody anything right and and for her to get up there and battle through that sucker and talk about her daughter as well was was incredible because she could just mourned on the side like anybody else would have I don't I'm a father of three and there's no way honestly I could have got up there and talked about you know a significant other than you know my child like that, and she powered through that sucker, and it was it was amazing. I mean, I was just so thankful and blessed that I was had the opportunity to be there in person and see old friends, but uh, again, the Lakers did such a good job on on that whole deal.
3: Adam, I wanted to jump ahead to another topic here. Uh, your game um coming in would have translated really well. In my opinion, into today's NBA, this sort of run-and-gun style. How do you think your game would have fared with with today's think, NBA?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, you know, I was more of a finesse, skilled player, I guess. For mm-hmm. um, my time, I'm a little bit uh, on the thinner side, right? And and um, so I think um, I, it probably would have translated better, um, you know, in this era to. You know, because when I was still playing, we still threw the ball. There were still post players. You still threw the ball in the post, and if you, you know, weren't Michael Cooper defensively, you were a bomb. So, like, it uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's definitely different. But uh, you know, also I don't like the, the what-ifs too, I guess are kind of cheap because I I didn't play as good as I should have, and and you know I uh, it was unfortunate. I had the injury too. I didn't hurt my for my ACL, my second year, actually against the Lakers, closing out on the slowest player in you know the history of basketball, Luke Walton, who's one of my you know good friends from playing <laughs> days. And we, we, when I got to the Lakers, we joked about. It. He's like, "What were you fucking thinking?" I was like, "I know, man. I'm like, well, I don't even know why I like closed out on you because it caused an injury." But uh, yeah, I think you know in today's NBA, would have fared. But also, you know, I got my opportunity and didn't, didn't play the best, so I, I don't like to. Use that as a crutch, I guess. But I, I guess you could probably say, um, you know, with the scoring and the open, uh, the open play, and then the ability to take quick three pointers, you know, without throwing it into the post or anything like that, probably would have mm-hmm. better for me. That's fair. That's
3: well, okay. Do you do you enjoy watching this style of basketball, this sort of run and gun three point offense?
1: Uh, I I do. I think the game is is more skilled than it's ever been. I think the hmm. majority of the superstars are good dudes as well. Um, I think um, I'm not completely a huge fan of analytics in the regards of, you know, sometimes if you come off a of pick and roll or whatever, you got to take a wide open 14 footer, right? I mean, you can't just take threes and wide open layups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I think it's bad per se that like the, you know, back-to-the-basket players don't really exist anymore. And, you know, you can argue whether that's that's true or not or if that's, uh, you know, the right assessment. But then all it takes is, like, a shack to come around again or somebody that dominant, then everybody would follow as well. You know how it is. It's copycat league. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. I think it's fun. Um, you know, the skill level is unbelievable now. Do you, do you like seeing 35, 320 attempts? Not always, but... I get it. I mean the guys are so skilled now that it's not a you know high percentage shot and a lot of people do affect the field goal uh ratings as well. So I can see both sides cause it it's morphing down to college basketball now. But the problem is the guys aren't as skilled so I watch A lot of shitty basketball players take some really (laughs) fucking bad (laughs) (laughs) night out, and I'm just like, "Fuck!" Steph Curry, blame you for this
3: one, you know. Um, Yeah, so I was actually going to ask to say, like, you've seen the impact it has on college ball, where guys are now just taking basically threes and layups. Uh, Absolutely. Is is that good? I mean, you said you watch some shitty basketball, but. Is it is it good in a
1: way? Is it, is it well, how do you view that the effect on college? Well, see that's, see, that's the thing is like in the NBA, obviously, and this is you know no brainer, captain obvious. Everybody's skilled, right? I and mean, they're in the league for a reason. So those shots that are considered bad shots have a higher chance to go in, and the guys can get hot blah blah blah. Um, but in college, you still have you know your six seven post players and. Um, Your wing player that could barely dribble, but he's a good defender. You know what I mean. So there's a gap Mm skill-wise. You know, it's not as well-rounded. So you know, if you try to implore that philosophy, um, it's you know, keeping the floor open and you know, higher scoring, which college basketball is trying to get into, which I think they do because the viewership is, is really gone down. Mm-hmm. It's just harder though because it's like, well, cause even if you open up the game, the fucking guy taking the shot can't shoot, so it don't matter what you do with the offense. It, it doesn't matter. So you could go both. You can argue both ways. In my opinion, I do like coaches that that allow players to to open the the floor up a little bit because I think some of the issue with college basketball, you know, aside from the political aspect of it, is. Um, you know, it's a little bit too much coach-driven, and I understand mm-hmm. why. But also, you know, you'll get these games, and you look at the box score, and it'll be fifty-five to fifty-two, and you're like, "Fuck, man!" Like, I don't, I can get why people don't want to turn on the the channel sometimes, right? I mean, you go yeah. look at a any NBA game; it's one fifteen to one twenty-five, and on <laughs> a right. well, regular basis. You know, and so I get it. And, and look, I'm not saying college basketball is bad, but I'm saying it takes a while, I guess, for the wave to kind of filter down. Um, Because when I was over in Europe, those kids grew up with a 24-second shot clock, and they play high pick and roll from an early age, right? So that style has always been around. Now it's starting to slowly go to college where, the you know, the four-out or five-out high ball pick make your read. And play off of that. Um, but when you try to do that with less skilled players, it's going to look really shitty, is my point. Um, so it, it gets to be kind of funny when it's like, all right, not everybody can be the Warriors, and not everybody can shoot bad, you know, bad, quote unquote, bad threes like Steph Curry and make and or you can't shoot on the first balls you know, ball swing on the, you know, first side when the defense is loaded up. So you go miss, 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 miss. In the NBA, those are gonna, some of those are going to go in, so it's not as bad. So, I don't know. I watch a lot of games, so sometimes I'm just like jabbing my eyes out with my pencil, man, because I'm just like, holy shit, this is bad.
0: <laughs> well, I got two questions for you uh, to, to end this or wrap this up. Uh, do you think that uh, a revolutionary kind of coach – Needs to come in with a defensive style to stop the three pointer solely to change the change the way the game's played now because it's you know the game's always evolving right so yeah. it's, it's it got to be an in- inevitable shift at some point and then well, the other one yeah. is going to be uh, who do you enjoy watching the most
1: in the NBA right now which which player well, I think as far as the defensive all it takes is one team to win a championship with a defensive philosophy first I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so i think maybe but i don't know how you would i i've always wondered and maybe i'm just I, and I understand the defensive 3 second rule but i don't know why some teams um you know try to run zones or like box and ones just to try it i know the raptors kind of do something similar to that where they you know they show high or they you know they're above the free throw line defensively and they kind of shadow a player and kind of leave a guy open. Um, so I guess it, it takes somebody to, to kind of do that and win for it to change. Um, but again, like for me as a player, former player, and as a fan, I, fuck, I like the scoring. I don't, I just, sometimes I just think there's all too many threes and I, again, can't just rely on, you know, like a fourteen footer is not a bad shot sometimes. it's just what the fucking defense gives you, especially if you play really pick and roll um you know the analytics guy say it's bad, but I think you gotta have a mixture of both is what I'm trying to get at uh-huh. um yeah, you know, and then as, as far as favorite player I like to watch, yeah, I like the kid out of uh dallas uh Don Luka? Luka really yeah, Lucas is fucking nasty man, just the way he can. Kind of survey the floor, and his ball screen uh, reading is fantastic. Um, you know, he's probably my favorite young player. I've always been a LeBron fan. Um, I think he gets too much flack from the other side, um, but I also understand it. You know, we're we're like I mentioned earlier, we're kids of Jordan, so it's hard for you to for anybody to say that. You know what I'm saying? Like when you talk about your all-time favorite, everybody gets a little bit the antennas go up. <laughs> um, but I've always I've always respected him. I've been around him a few times. Good dude. Um, you know, he gives back to the community, all that stuff. Um, so I like watching him play. And, and again, it's sad that he we just might not know if he has a chance to win a championship with a third team. You know, and bring the Lakers back to uh, their former glory. And isn't he leading the league in assists this year?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like ten point seven or something like that. Something close yeah, to that. It, it, Fucking insane. He's in his 17th year. I mean, the guy is just remarkable, and I think he's a good dude, and that makes me like him more, you know, because you guys cover. Uh, the NBA, you know, in professional sports. There's some assholes out there, so... Nah. Yeah. Nah. No. No? Yeah, I know. Nah. Yeah.
2: They're all perfect. The shield. I
1: shouldn't say that. Yeah, protect the shield. I get it. And then I, hey, look, I just fucking rag college basketball. My boss is probably going to call me tomorrow. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Gonzaga plays good style, and that, that's the truth. We, we led the country in scoring, but some of the teams that we fucking play, I'm like, sign me up for coach and I'll take half a million a year and I'll coach <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at, least, at least it's not college football man where it's like scores of 72 to 3 you know yeah. what I mean it's like yeah. why were these teams on the on the field at the same time makes no yeah. sense I, mean, I got buddies that love college football I'm like what, dude what are you watching go play a video yeah. game you're going to get the same score like it's just it's no different I always think it's a joke
1: yeah no I get it there's this you know there's such a Hierarchy on the power programs in both sports that you get some of these games on the schedule, and people shrug their shoulders like, What are the ratings down? You're like, Well, fuck, man. Like, look who they're playing and look at the outcome. I mean, it's who wants to watch blogs? I don't. So, (laughs)
0: yeah. Playing the Washington Generals like every week, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Um,
3: Adam, I'll ask my final question here for you. Uh, Having been a Laker, having played against the Clippers at times, um, you, you've seen what it's like here in L.A. I mean, the Clippers were pretty bad when you guys were, were playing them. But, um, you know, now you've got two powerhouse teams, two legit championship contenders. Um, what, do you, what do you make of, you know, this is the Battle for L.A. podcast, So what do you, what do you make of the Battle for L.A. right now, even though it's on pause? I, I, I think it's
1: fantastic. I think Steve Ballmer's done amazing of bringing life into that. I mean, there was momentum before that, but I think he's a perfect owner to – uh, didn't they just sign that uh, the stadium deal? They just yeah. bought the uh, the Forum from Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Oh, Okay, so yeah, I think it's it, I think it's great. Um, I'm actually a Kawhi fan as well. I Doc Rivers fan as well. I think he does coaches the right way. Um, I think it's it's really good for the city. Um, I think it'd be cooler if they get their own building too, because then you kind of have your own. You know, staple or whatever you can put on um, your own style. I guess I know they change it and everything, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's fantastic. I mean, there's no reason that um, that market shouldn't have two teams and shouldn't be very attractive to all the free agents. And so I think um, with Kawhi going there, um, you know, Paul George was, was perfect. I'm still puzzle, though, and I know this is a way off topic, but how, just the what-if with the Chris Paul trade, you know, what the NBA was thinking at that time, when I'm talking about the markets, right? Like, why why didn't they let that happen? Um, Still makes sort of, no like, sense. No sense it, whatsoever. You know, I didn't get it either at the time. It was like, this is like your biggest market. Like, why wouldn't you want them to... But, for, we did
2: They were
3: just going and stacking the chips. with. They, didn't they already have Dwight at the time? They had Kobe, right?
0: So they would no. Right. They didn't have Dwight yet. Have Dwight he was a trade set up for like immediately after, from uh-huh. what I remember. Yeah, yeah, but it it was basically re- reloading with Kobe, right? Yeah. Just yep. Giving yep. giving yep. Kobe another five years of competing. another run. Yep.
3: Another yeah. well, that, run. That changed the history because they the would have been good had five five straight fifty one seasons setting up you know setting the stage for this team now with with Kawhi and PG. Um, you know, setting the stage for Steve Ballmer to buy the team. I don't, I don't know if any of that stuff happens um, without that. So it's just the domino effect of, of what ifs are just astronomical with that kind of move. It's just, it's insane. Maybe the Lakers do win another title. It's just, it's crazy. You know, the pressure on Kobe's Achilles, maybe he doesn't tear it there.
1: Yeah. Well, they,
0: they haven't won another title since that. Uh, Adam was on the last team that they won. So it was yep. 10 years ago. So
1: 10 years ago. Yep. It was 09, 010. Yep. Yeah, Fun excellent. times, man.
0: Adam, anything you want to do a uh,
3: plug, promote on your end, um, maybe foundation, or anything like that? Whatever, anything
1: you want to promote? Uh, no, man. Just everybody, honestly, uh, stay healthy. I mean, everybody's saying it, but uh, you know, I would be a a naysayer, but I think it's going to be a long haul. So, buckle down, folks, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, you uh, can find enough Netflix to not burn it out and. Make peace with your loved ones because you are gonna be around each other for a while. Uh,
3: well, thank you for joining us, Adam. Uh, real quick, uh, again, you can follow us at uh, follow Ryan Ward at Ryan Ward LA on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You follow me at Tomer Zarly, That's T O M E R A Z A R L Y
1: on Twitter and Instagram.
3: Uh, Adam, do you have a Twitter, or Instagram at all?
1: Or are you off social media? I have no, I have Instagram, but I have no Twitter. And there's a A. Morrison 35 that's been claiming to be me for years. So <laughs> please, please, fucking say that's it. not me. It's never been me. I've never been on Twitter. I'm scared of that fucking rat hole. I don't
0: blame you, man. <laughs> I don't blame you.
3: <laughs> it's so a for us. Ryan hates. Yes. It. It's like a cesspool of negativity. Is what he says. Yeah,
0: I hate it, man. It's all. It f- is.
1: It's just shitty people. people. <laughs> Yeah, they just get on and fucking make fun of you and shit on you, and it's like, well, what have you done, fucker? You know, and that's <laughs> and,
2: and exactly. You, you, know, you look down, and
1: you're like, you're you're in a thirty minute argument with somebody that you don't even care about, and they time got their rocks off because they got you to respond. So I don't know. So yeah. I'm just on. I'm on Instagram. I'm and my Instagram page is just mostly with me and my kids, so it's nothing cool or anything like that. I'm a pretty boring guy. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, once again if you guys could leave us a review uh, wherever you guys get your podcasts uh, Apple, Google, uh, Play, iHeart, Spotify just leave us a five star review if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, concerns all that stuff uh, shoot it over to us on Twitter where Brian loves and uh <laughs> or Instagram that, that, that works too and um, yeah hope you guys enjoyed Adam thank you again for joining us we really appreciate it uh we hope you stay safe um yeah. stay healthy um, and I, hope, I, hope, I hope it get sports back soon I, I know it's not likely but we need some sort of move back to reality I feel like just to not go crazy so I agree yeah.
2: I appreciate it guys yeah. Yeah. Nice.
3: Yeah. thank you very much cool. thank you